Seriously, Dad, walking would have been fine. You can walk plenty on Saturday when you peel those stickers you off. You saw that? I don't know if that was me, Dad. And the two from yesterday on Clinton. Yeah, those are me. Troll, look at that. Another new coffee shop. You see that, Miles? Totally, yeah. You see that one? What's that one called? Phone party. Phone party? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Come on. And everyone is just lining up. You see that, Miles? See it. Is that a coffee shop or a disco? <laughs> Dad, you're old, man. Spider-Man. I mean, this guy swings in once a day, zip-zaps up in his little mask and answers to no one, right? Yeah, Dad, yeah. And meanwhile, my guys are out there, yeah. lives on the line, uh -huh. no mask. You know, we show our... Oh, no! Dad, Dad, speed up, speed up. I know these kids. You know, with great ability comes great accountability. That's not even how the saying goes, Dad. Yeah, I do like a serial though. I'm giving that. Oh, my gosh. Don't cops run red lights? Well, yes, I'm do. But, uh, not your dad. <laughs> back to Brooklyn Middle. Miles, you're giving it two weeks. We're not having this conversation. I just think that this new school is elitist. elitist. And I would prefer to be at a normal school among the people. The people? These are your people. I'm only here because I won that stupid lottery. No way. You passed the entry test just like everybody else, okay? You have an opportunity here. You want to blow that, huh? You want to end up like your uncle? What's wrong with Uncle Aaron? He's a good guy. We all make choices in life. I doesn't feel like I have a choice. You right don't. Here. I love you, Miles. Yeah, I know, Dad. See you Friday. You gotta say I love you back. Dad, are you serious? I wanna hear it. You wanna hear it? I love you, Dad. You're dropping me off at school? I love you, Dad. Look at this place. Dad, I love you. Dad, I love you. That's a copy. Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Hope. It has been way, way, way too long, hasn't it? It's so good to see you beautiful people. Uh, way back in March, when we had to make the shift and uh, everything had to start happening online as we were figuring out how to live with coronavirus, just the way the preaching schedule had been set, it was the two weekends prior to that, I had somebody else scheduled to preach, and so for me to be up here preaching on a Sunday morning on a weekend, it, has, it was February 23rd last time I was preaching. That's 32 weeks ago, 224 days ago, and if I had known then what was about to happen, I would have made sure that before you left, I told you how much I love you. I love you, Hope. I love the way you are the church. I love your passion for Jesus, the way you hunger and thirst for righteousness, the way you seek not to be served, but to serve. I love the way that you just got creative along with us as we figured out how do we do church online, whether it's a weekend worship or all the ministries in the life of this church, Power Life and Ignition and Celebrate Recovery and, and so many things that have been happening on online hope kids and and hope families and it's just amazing to watch you be the church and when we ask you to volunteer and do vacation bible school online and you've continued to give financially to support the mission of this church I love being your pastor. I love being a pastor here at Hope. I love the staff that I get to work with on a day-to-day -day basis. And I love dreaming about the future that God has for us here at Hope. That's what we're going to be talking about over the course of this month of October. We're starting a new message series this weekend. And the message series is called Once Upon a Time. 
Once upon a time, you might not think that's going to help us think about the future, but it is. We're going to be taking a look at stories or parables that Jesus told once upon a time, and we're going to be connecting those parables to the vision that we have here at Hope. It was a year ago in October that we were leading up to the uh, 25th birthday of Lutheran Church of Hope. And part of that celebration of, of 25 years of ministry here at Hope, we reworked the, mission state, uh, the vision statement. And so I'll put the vision statement up on the screen and let's read this out loud together. Read it with me. Powered by the Spirit to bring Christ to all cultures, revive the world with God's love, and make heaven more crowded. One more time with passion. Powered by the Spirit to bring Christ to all cultures, revive the world with God's love, and make heaven more crowded. Uh, this is our vision, and over the course of the next four weekends, we'll take a look at each line of that vision. So today, we're going to talk about the idea, what does it mean to be powered by the Spirit? As individuals, absolutely, but also as a congregation. If you have your Bibles, open them up. Mark chapter 4 has the parable that we'll be digging into today. Uh, you can open up your Bible apps for that as well. And in Mark chapter 4, Jesus tells the parable of the sower, a parable of a farmer who's scattering seed on the ground. And depending, as Jesus tells the story, depending on the health of the soil, uh, the seed is able to take root and grow and, and sprout, and ultimately a crop is produced. A couple of verses later, still in Mark chapter 4, Jesus tells another parable, a parable of the growing seed. I'll start reading this in verse 26. Jesus also said the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces the crops on its own. First, a leaf blade pushes through, then the heads of wheat are formed, and finally the grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle, for the harvest time has come. I love this time of year in Iowa. I love harvest season. I don't particularly like the allergies that come along with it, uh, but I love just the way everything looks, and there's a feel, there's a beauty to the harvest season. On Thursday, our eighth grade son, Shaden, had a football game in Panora. And so I love just taking back roads, the country roads, driving through and seeing the farmers out in the fields harvesting the crop. It's the beauty of the season. It's one of the reasons I love it. But, but I wonder if maybe the primary reason why I love this time of year, harvest season is a reminder to me of the faithfulness of God. There has not been a fall in my life, probably true of your life as well. I bet there has not been a fall in your life when there was not a harvest. Now, now, to be certain, some years are better than others, and this is one of those not-so-good years. A lot of our state is in drought conditions, not good growing conditions for crops. Uh, when the derecho came through, one of the reports that I read said about half of the 25 million acres of corn and soybeans in our state was impacted in some way, even ever so slightly, by the derecho. I was talking to a farmer who said his yield in his cornfields is down 50 bushels per acre, which is really, really significant. It has not been a good year for farmers, and yet there still is a harvest. God is still faithful. T tucked in the middle of this second story, this second parable about growing seeds and scattering seeds is this powerful idea that Jesus tells us. Night and day, while the farmer is asleep or awake, 
The seed sprouts and grows, but the farmer does not understand how it happens. Must not have gone to Iowa State. The earth produces the crops on its own, Jesus says. The earth produces the crops on its own. There are things that the farmer does, to be sure. The farmer takes care of the soil. Farmer plants the seed. The, the farmer gets rid of weeds. But the farmer doesn't do, produce a crop. The earth produces a crop all by itself. Y you could say it's a God thing. Uh, I look around this room, it's a reminder to me this has not been a good year for the church as well. I mean, if, if you had told me back in seminary, there will be a year at some point in your ministry where you will not be able to gather in your sanctuary or your worship center for worship for six months, I would have told you that would be the year that the church closes. And yet here we are. And I think it's worth asking the question, how did we get here? Short answer to that question is it's a God thing. I was thinking back, once upon a time, 14 years ago, our church, Lutheran Church of Hope, we called it North Branch back in the beginning. We were meeting about a mile south of here at Resurrection Lutheran Church, and I looked in our spreadsheets to see the first weekend of October back in 2006, 98 people showed up for worship that weekend. 98 people. Uh, it was about a month before my family and I moved here to Ankeny, and I was thinking about over the last 14 years, how much time this church has spent trying to make the soil as healthy as possible, scattering as many seeds as we possibly can, uh, pulling weeds, weathering storms, yeah, absolutely. But mostly we've been watching God produce a harvest. God produce a crop. These two pictures on the screen, it's Power Life and Ignition, our ministry to middle school students and high school students. Just a couple days ago on Wednesday night, they were able to come for those ministries in our building for the first time since March as well. And so socially distanced with masks, and thank you all for uh, helping us with, with these precautions uh, on the weekends for worship. Our middle school and high school students, they worshiped in this room, and then they spread out all around the building for small groups to dig into the idea of who is God and, and what does God have in store for us? How do we shape our lives around the life that God has for us? And I was thinking about it. One of the things that just struck me, uh, if you look at the number of students in just one particular grade, let's go with the sixth graders. Sixth grade Power Life students, there are more sixth graders registered for Power Life than we had in our entire church 14 years ago. It's a God thing. The reality is, the reality is, whether we are asleep or awake, whether we're able to gather in our church building or have to figure out a way to connect online, God's on the move. God is producing a crop. God is at work. And the way God is at work is through the power of the Holy Spirit. We want to be a church that's powered by the Spirit. And historically, hope has been a church powered by the Spirit. As we move into our future, we want to continue to be a church powered by the Spirit. We want everything that happens here to be a God thing. One of the temptations and one of the things you see that happens historically when we start talking about the power of the Spirit, there's a temptation for us to want to use that power for our own sake. There are stories in, in the uh, Bible about people who see the power of the Holy Spirit on display and they come to the apostles and they ask, how much does it cost for me to get that kind of power? 
so that they can use it for themselves. The clip we watched at the beginning of that message is from a movie called Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I am a movie guy, not necessarily a comic book guy, but those of you who are into comic books know that there's a whole entire Marvel universe, Spider-Man universe, and that there's Peter Parker's not the only Spider-Man. So in this movie, you start to see that uh, Miles Morales is kind of the, the key character, and he's riding in the back of his father's cop car. They're on their way. They're taking him to this boarding school that he attends. I don't know if you remember the name of that boarding school, Brooklyn Visions Academy. Visions Academy. This month, you're at Hope Vision Academy. But uh, they're talking, and Miles' dad doesn't particularly like Spider-Man. And he gets some of the sayings wrong, uh, and Miles is just disgusted. How can, how can you not know that the real saying is with great power comes great responsibility? It's not with great ability comes great accountability or whatever the dad says. With great power comes great responsibility. And eventually in the movie, Miles gets this great power, and he has to figure out what is he going to do with this power. Take a look. That's weird. My pants shrink. I think I hit puberty. I gotta get my pants. Wait, why is the voice in my head so loud? What? I know you snuck out last night, Morales. Play dumb. Who's Morales? Not that dumb. Suggesting is that we will that we will on you. Okay. Why is this happening? Please stop sticking. Wait, wait, wait. How could there be two Spider-Men? There can't be two Spider-Men. Can there? So Miles Morales has some power, and he's trying to do, figure out what to do with this power that he has suddenly been filled with. Shortly after Jesus' resurrection, he's with his disciples, and he tells them, I want you to go to Jerusalem, and I want you to wait for the Holy Spirit. And part of what Jesus tells his disciples, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. 
You, you turn the page to Acts chapter 2 and you see this. It's the day of Pentecost, the, the birthday of the church, and the Holy Spirit gets poured out in powerful ways. By the end of that day, 3,000 people have been added to the church. And as you just kind of page your way through this book, you see uh, incredible things happening. Th this book, it's sometimes called the Acts of the Apostles, but really it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is doing incredible things uh, in a really short amount of time. You get to Acts chapter 4 and there's this uh, story of the believers, the apostles and, and the disciples. They've all gathered together and they are praying at the end of Acts chapter 4. And part of what they're praying for is power. Here's Acts 4, 29 and 30. O Lord, give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. I'm guessing when we start talking about the power of the Holy Spirit, this is where a lot of us go. The Holy Spirit is the power to produce miracles and signs and wonders. It's how Jesus heals people who are blind. It's how people are able to sneak through a crowd and touch just the hem of Jesus' clothing, and they are healed, and there's the miraculous catch of fish. Or even back in the Old Testament, how does Moses part the Red Sea? It's through the power of the Holy Spirit. And don't get me wrong, I absolutely believe that the power of the Holy Spirit produces miracles and signs and wonders. I think we should be praying for boldness in our, our, our preaching and boldness in the way we carry out our mission here at Hope. I just can't help but wonder if sometimes we miss the most miraculous and powerful signs that God is with us and God is among us and God is for us because we're maybe looking for the wrong kinds of things. Biblically speaking, what happens when we are powered by the Spirit? What sorts of things start to fill us up? I think a lot of us have a view that the Holy Spirit is kind of like this superpower, just like superheroes get superpowers, super Christians get superpowers. And the Bible points us to something just a little bit different, or maybe not different, the, the superpowers that we get when we're filled and powered by the Spirit are maybe just different than what we might expect. So in Acts 4, they're praying uh, for God to work powerfully among them. Next thing that happens, they get filled with the Holy Spirit. And then you get to verse 32. When you're powered by the Spirit, one of the things, the first thing that happens is you're filled with unity. All the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. I don't have to tell you that that's miraculous, do I? I mean, how many people do you know that believe what they own is not their own? Do you believe that? I, I have a hard time believing that. I pretty much believe what I own is mine. It's my own, my precious. I can't decide if I sound more like the Wicked Witch of the West or Gollum when, when I say that. My precious. Anyway, um, something miraculous is happening in the early church. When they are powered by the Spirit... It causes them to be filled with unity, and then flowing out of that is this idea they, they share everything they have. Uh, about 10 years ago, I was asked by Pastor Mike to preach in West Des Moines, and the, the topic that he gave me was, what does the Bible have to say about money? 
<laughs> I'm not sure I've ever asked, uh, thanked Pastor Mike for giving me that opportunity. Yeah, thanks a lot. Sign me up for preaching about money. But one of the passages I, I looked at was this passage, how in the early church, when they were powered by and filled with the Holy Spirit, they're sharing everything that they have. Well, after one of the services, a man came up to me, and he let me know that his family, during that particular year, they were hosting a foreign exchange student from China. And while I was kind of walking through what's happening at the end of Acts chapter 4, this foreign exchange student leaned over to this guy and said, hey, that's what we do in our country. That's communism. And so he was a little upset with me for saying Jesus is communist or the church is communist. And I tried to calm him down and say, no, 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 no. That's not what I said. Uh, communism is when the government forces you to share everything that you have. We're talking about the kingdom of God here, where filled with the Spirit, powered by the Spirit, you freely choose to share everything that you have. It's a get to, not a got to. Two very different things. One is a government thing, the other is a God thing. Two very different things. And one of the things that you see happen when, when individuals and when a church community is powered by the Spirit, it leads to such unity of heart and mind that you share everything you have. You start to focus in on our shared humanity. We'll talk about that a little bit more next week when we look at the second part of the vision statement. What does it mean, what does it look like to bring Christ to all cultures? A church that's powered by the Spirit is filled with unity. Secondly, it's filled with hope. Uh, the space that we have in our church building just right outside the worship center doors, we call it the overflow. And we don't call it the overflow because that's where we set up chairs when we run out of room here. It's overflow seating. We call it the overflow because of this verse, Romans 15, 13. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. You'll overflow with confident hope through the power of of the Holy Spirit. We're not Lutheran Church of worry. We're not Lutheran Church of despair. We're Lutheran Church of hope. Now, that weekend back in March when we made the decision, we made the decision on a Friday that all of our weekend services, then the next day, Saturday and Sunday, was going to be online. And at the end of that day, as we're trying to get the word out to everyone so that nobody would show up and see, you know, the doors closed, I as I was leaving uh, church that day, that Friday, I went out in my car and I recorded a little video with the church in, in the background and I was trying to communicate a message to our congregation. As we figure out how to live with the coronavirus, a couple of ditches we wanted to make sure we avoided. One, I wanted us to avoid the ditch of what I called reckless optimism. And I think people of faith were really prone to fall into this ditch. Reckless optimism, which basically says, I don't care what happens, you know, if I die, I die. I'm just going to live, and if, God, if it's my time, God will take me. And reckless optimism, right? Scripture's pretty clear, don't put the Lord your God to the test. And so we want to avoid that ditch of reckless optimism. Everything will be fine, let's just keep living the way we've always lived. The other ditch we want to avoid is the ditch of hopeless pessimism where we get so scared and so freaked out that we just go home and lock the doors and just kind of hunker down and we buy all the toilet paper in Costco and, you know, it's going to be the end of the world as we know it. Hopeless pessimism. 
And I think whether we're talking about how do we deal with a pandemic or how do we make our way through the last month of an election, let's try to avoid either ditch. Instead, let's look for the third way, and it seems to me the third way is to be people, to be a community powered by the Spirit so that we are filled with hope, not a, a pie-in-the-sky kind of a hope, but a real hope that comes from God, the source of our hope, a real hope that is powered through the Holy Spirit. The power of the Spirit fills us with unity. It fills us with hope. The next thing we see biblically is it fills us with love. Why does God give us the Holy Spirit? So we can speak in tongues? Uh, so we can do miraculous signs and wonders and, and heal people of their illness and disease? Uh, so we can have gifts of the Spirit? Yes, absolutely, all three of those. The Bible says this is what happens when you get the Holy Spirit. But I don't hear very many people talking about this reason that Romans 5 verse 5 gets us. It's on the screen. Let's read this out loud together. He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. One more time. He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. When Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit, what kind of fruit gets produced in your life when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, when you're powered by the Holy Spirit, the first fruit is love. Jesus says to his disciples, the world will know you are my followers by your love for one another. Uh, my wife, Wendy, who is sort of podcast queen, she was listening to a, a podcast this week where the, the host was interviewing a black preacher. And one of the things the black preacher said was, if you look at all the challenges we've been facing as a country the last several months, it seems to him the real problem is a pandemic of lovelessness. A pandemic of lovelessness. Something about that that makes a ton of sense to me. What would our world look like if we were powered by the Spirit in such a way that we were loving the way Jesus calls us to love? And we've, we've had glimpses of it over the last several months. I mean, at the beginning of the pandemic, all of a sudden we're all working together and trying to figure out how do we love our neighbors well. Same thing after the derecho came through. Neighbors are out. We had people from the church in our neighborhood coming over and helping us, you know, cut up the trees and the branches that had fallen. People are looking for ways to love each other in key moments uh, throughout every year. But then something happens and all, it's all of a sudden like we go to our own corners and, and we start thinking about how our own interests are more important than the interest of anyone else. And it really impacts our ability to love well. I don't know what you think of when you think of the power of the Holy Spirit. For a lot of people, as soon as you start talking about the Holy Spirit, it's like, I'm going to take a step back because it's a little, I'm not sure what. So when you look at what the Bible has to say about love, it says this kind of thing. God's given us the Holy Spirit to fill us, to fill our hearts with God's love that should cause us to take a step forward. It might actually cause us to pray a courageous prayer. Lord, fill me with the power of your Holy Spirit because I want to love the way you love. And when we love the way Jesus loves, our witness to the world around us, it becomes something incredibly beautiful. A church powered by the Spirit is filled with unity and filled with hope and filled with love. One final thought, and then we'll celebrate communion together. A church powered by the Holy Spirit is filled with life. And it is great to gather in this room and to worship together, to sing praises to God together, to uh, listen to the word proclaimed, to pray together. And in just a few minutes, it'll be over. 
It's just really a short part of this day. It's a short part of this week. As important as it is to gather together in person or online for worship, it's a small part of our life. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, The kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. Uh, I'm trying to keep it short. The kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. Living by God's power. In other places in scripture, it says the same power that raised Jesus from death to life is available to you and to me. You believe that, church? Romans chapter 8 is just this incredible chapter. One of my favorite chapters in all the Bible. It might be a good discipline for you sometime, a challenge for you sometime, to just say, I'm going to memorize this entire chapter of Romans 8. Tucked in the middle of it, verse 11. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. Lives in you. I don't watch Saturday Night Live very much anymore. I did a lot when I was in high school and college, and then I started working at a church, and you know, you don't stay up late on Saturdays when you got church on, on Sunday morning. But when I was watching Saturday Night Live back in the you know, late 80s, early 90s, there was something called uh, Deep Thoughts by Jack Handy. And one of the deep thoughts I remember, deep thoughts, right? Um, if God lives inside us, like a lot of people say, I sure hope he likes enchiladas because that's what he's getting. What does it mean that God lives inside us? Like a lot of people, uh, one of my hobbies during this COVID season, I've been cooking a lot more than I normally cook. And when I cook, I use a whole lot of butter and a whole lot of cream, which does not help my body mass index, but it makes the food taste pretty good. And, and I understand that a, a healthy way to think about food is to say food is fuel. Our bodies need uh, food to provide the energy we need for living our lives. Very similar reality in terms of our life of faith. The Holy Spirit lives inside us. We, we need to be powered by, fueled by the Holy Spirit that lives inside us. And in one of the mysterious realities of what does it mean to be the church, what does it mean to be the body of Christ, Jesus says things like, unless you eat my body, unless you drink my blood, you have no life in you. In the early church, they were considered cannibals when people heard about communion. What's this eating the body and drinking the blood kind of thing? Jesus says he's the bread of life. He says in other places he's the, the water of life. Anyone who drinks the water I give him will never thirst again. When we come to the Lord's table, we come to be filled with the life that Jesus has for us. Uh, we come to be reminded that we're united. At the foot of the cross and, and at the Lord's table, doesn't matter rich or poor, young or old, male or female, black or white, we're all one. We're all sinners in need of a Savior. And we come to the Lord's table to be reminded that we have hope that grace is real. We want to be filled with hope that our sins can be forgiven. And we come to the Lord's table to be filled with God's love. And we come to the Lord's table to be filled with the life that God has for us. That the power of God, that grace is the power of God to forgive us our sins, but grace is also the power of God to help us live a completely changed life. We come to the Lord's table and we are reminded it was the night he was betrayed. Jesus was sharing a meal with his friends. He took some bread, broke it and blessed it and gave it to them. He said, take and eat, this is my body given for you. Eat this and remember me when you eat it. 
Later in the meal, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, poured out for you and for all people for the forgiveness of your sins. Drink this and remember me when you drink it. Uh, if you're able, let's stand and let's pray together the prayer Jesus taught his followers to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen.